Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick, and I'm here with my friend Zach. Hello, everybody. So Zach was unfortunately out of town last week, but he is back this week, and we've got an exciting topic to talk about. Oh, yeah. So I guess it's you could say it's in honor of Morophon that we're yeah. <laughs> uh, tackling this subject. Um, True. Morophon was essentially designed to be a commander for all the tribal decks that didn't have a commander. And for some decks, that definitely makes sense to have like a generic tribal commander because maybe the tribe doesn't really have a lot going on on its own. Mm -hmm. Like for those tribes where there's not like a clear mechanical synergy among the cards that you could design around, it makes sense just to have a catch-all commander so you don't have to like design a Homerid commander (laughs) and then the Camerid commander and a citizen commander and all that stuff. But there are a lot of tribes out there that are almost there that have enough good members and have some sort of consistent mechanical identity that you can build around, but they just don't have a commander. And I think Mm -hmm. for those ones, rather than relying on Morophon, you're probably better off designing a commander that speaks to the strengths of the tribe and that sort of solves the problem that the tribe faces Mm -hmm. and rewards them in a way that's like flavorful and consistent with their game plan. So what we're going to be doing today is going through basically every single tribe that does not currently have a commander or a de facto commander. And and when I say de facto commander, I mean, for example, like Arcades the Strategist would be a de facto commander for walls because 95% of the creatures you're running in that deck are walls. and, And what you would want for a wall deck is pretty much exactly what he provides. So that's you're not really adding much to the format if you were to design a commander that was exactly Arcades the Strategist, but like replace creature with defender with wall. Yeah, it'd be just like a weirder version of the deck. Yeah. So we're really looking for unexplored potential archetypes. That's what we're going to be focusing on today. And we we have a fair amount of content here, so this Mm -hmm. might end up being a multi-part series. Yeah. Also just want to say that I'm amazed at how many of these don't already have a commander yeah i think you will be too you'll kind of look at the list and be like what yeah and and i want to draw a distinction like when we say a tribal commander i think that there are a lot of commanders that people use as tribal commanders that aren't really what we're talking about like for example (sighs) nahiri the lithomancer i think some people are running her as like a tribal core commander because she produces core but there's not really a lot of synergy between what she's doing and what core need out Mm -hmm. of a tribal commander like a tribal commander will like explicitly reward you for committing to that tribe instead of just i'm going to make a token of this type yep especially yeah there's a few from the edh rec deep dive that stand out in my mind so this will be like an interesting exercise yeah provided we have the time we may end up talking about commanders where they did design a tribal commander, but it just like was not oh, oh, yeah. good enough. Yeah. <laughs> In this episode, we plan on telling you sort of what the holes are, what the uh, mechanical characteristics of each tribe are, and then what we're hoping some of you uh, intrepid card designers will do 
is to sort of come up with some designs to fit these holes and match these mechanical identities. And then potentially on a future episode, we could go through some of those submissions and talk about like how well we think they um, fit the needs of the tribe. Please, if you are interested in custom card creation, um, take this as a challenge and we're excited to see what you're coming up with. Mm-hmm. But before we get into today's topic, I want to really briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and access cool rewards for as little as $1 a month. And if you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. I think we can yeah, go ahead and jump into the discussion. We've got a list here of every creature type in descending order of the number of members of that type. So we'll start off with human with over 2,000 members. <laughs> humans, although they don't have a commander that explicitly calls out humans, I would honestly say that I think Morophon is like the de facto human commander. Yeah. I've been goldfishing that deck I talked about in the <laughs> set review a lot, and it rips. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I think that's totally fine. It, it works great. Also, humans don't have a lot of mechanical synergy because they're spread across five colors, and there's just so damn many of them. Yeah, yeah. So I like the idea of this like cool human combo deck that feels super powerful rather than trying to go for flavor because like how do you how do you unify the human <laughs> yeah what is the flavor of a human yeah i actually do want to say too a long like before innistrad had come out me and a friend had a joke where uh it had been like the great m10 errata so like damage on the stack was gone mm-hmm. and they'd like kind of streamlined a bunch of creeper, creature types so a bunch of cards have been updated as humans and so we had a joke like what if we just made a deck that was a bunch of cool, good cards? You're like, oh, enter the battlefield, look at the top three, draw one, like stuff like that. And then all of a sudden you drop a coat of arms and you're like, all right, kill you. And <laughs> the, your opponent would be like, what? And you're like, no, 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 they're all humans. <laughs> no, look at them. But now that's actually like, then they did Innistrad and they're like, yeah, human tribal. And it kind of, the joke wasn't as funny <laughs> anymore. Next, we've got Wizard, which has multiple very powerful tribal commanders oh, yeah. between um, Inala and Naban and Azami. I think Wizard's totally fine. Warriors, they are next with 663 Surprises members. me. Yeah. yeah. But we've got Najila, who is super powerful. So that that's covered, yeah. I would say. <laughs> yeah. There's also Soldiers. So Soldiers are the first one with a significant number of members that does not have a tribal commander which is mm-hmm. really surprising so soldiers have over 600 members and do not have any commander that no. explicitly supports them it's so crazy yeah it's it's really insane let's let's talk about the characteristics of the soldier creature type so um there are a lot 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 of powerful soldier token producers oh yeah like I was just uh, doing a quick search the other day and I'd say there's like 20 ish soldier token producers that I would be like pretty happy to play in commander. Yeah. And then in addition to that, you of course have the 600 actual soldier creatures among 600. There's going to be some that are pretty good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, they are doing so well in terms of unsupported creature types. Like they really just need the right commander. Yeah. To, to explicitly support them. 
things you could potentially build around. There is like a little bit of an emphasis on first strike and vigilance. There's some like things that grant all soldiers first strike or all soldiers vigilance. So I've got like an easy answer, like a potential reward and like a a weirder answer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So because there are so, so many good soldier token producers, I actually think, and it's unfortunate that like soldier is the first tribe that we're talking about because this is like the laziest tribal answer (laughs) (laughs) and i think we're the the later ones we're going to talk about are going to be a lot more interesting yeah but i think that like a simple anthem for soldiers wouldn't be a terrible answer just because Mm -hmm. there's like you've got so many soldiers on the battlefield there's so many cards that like is a single card but i'm dumping five six Mm -hmm. seven huge amount of soldiers on the board so like an anthem really really goes far goes much farther with soldiers than it does with most creature types but i do have a weirder answer yeah this is a great weird answer another way you potentially build around soldiers and like capture the flavor of like sort of like a military strategist is by giving all soldiers banding because then you can like attack with this huge lump of soldiers and then anything they block with okay i force you to assign all your combat damage to this one 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 soldier and then all my other soldiers dogpile on your guy so it's like in combat you are just going to wreck anything that tries to block you yeah and then because that's not super powerful because it's not great to have all your guys block together like give you some sort of way to recoup cards like if you get to draw a card when a creature dealt combat damage by a soldier you control dies, it doesn't matter so much that I'm not actually hitting you because I'm getting cards. And mm-hmm. it's a way to draw cards that like is so tied to martial success. It feels, I mean, I'm not on the Council of Colors, but <laughs> to me that feels like a fair white way to draw cards. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to say like banding like originally was put in the game to be like a soldier mechanic Mm -hmm. and banding on the blocks is way better just for those who maybe don't know we're not going to get into the mechanics of banding particularly here Mm -hmm. i don't think because it's very long and we don't want this episode to be too long in particular today but um you only need one creature with banding to make a band that blocks so this would be very very strong as like a defensive soldier thing like all my guys block you're a big guy and then I make one of these guys die because mm-hmm. that's how banning works. You can like put all the damage onto one guy, but then I draw a card because your guy died. Yeah, like, maybe like granting banding and vigilance because then like mm-hmm. then it just feels like your guys are so unbeatable in combat by working together, which is like really on flavor for mm-hmm. soldiers. Yeah, I know they don't want to support banning, but I could see like in Modern Horizons two, like <laughs> yeah, there there or maybe like even finding a way to just write out some of the the most important elements of banding without having it actually be banding yeah just to get it to work sort of like banding oh god <laughs> see i don't even know how to word that yeah banding is a it's a nightmare <laughs> yeah and and that's why like the plus one plus one might be a decent alternative anyway that's our first tribe without like a commander really built into them but our next one also has that it's spirits that comes in at what is this like almost 448 yeah, right now just about 450 spirits and there is not a not currently a tribal commander form which is mm-hmm. pretty surprising but yeah it's crazy so well okay there are some tribal commanders there but if you look at how spirits are distributed 
if you look at the good ones, it's basically everything but red. Mm-hmm. And the only real strong spirit tribal commanders we've gotten to date have been like Iname Death Aspect, yeah. which is mono black, and Iname Life Aspect, which is mono green. So for a spirit commander, you would want it to be enough colors that it can capture all the cool, good spirits that you want to play. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of crazy to me that like with Okagachi, they thought to make it a spirit and five colors, but they didn't like explicitly make it spirit tribal. Yeah, that which that, is what it needed to be. That one really trolls me really hard. Like the fact that it was just this weird reactive trigger Mm-hmm. And you can't build around it, and yet this was the the main plot point of the Kamigawa block. Yeah, that was like, like the main antagonist. Uh, it's like, uh, come on, please. Uh. I know. I mean, they seem to have figured it out, given that like in C18, there's some weird tribal stuff, like Yuriko yeah. just randomly yeah. in there, and they're not worrying too much about, but it doesn't fit the theme of the deck. Like, yeah. I don't think anyone really cares if there's one card in your deck that doesn't fit the theme in this precon. Well, then you just take it out because yeah. <laughs> like the precons are supposed to be a jumping off point, not mm-hmm. like this is going to be enshrined in stone and yeah. unchangeable. Yeah. And they talk about that all the time. Like one of their favorite parts of the precons is when people change them. Cause mm-hmm. they know that as soon as someone like has changed the deck a little bit, then they're like hooked. That means that they're like, have invested some bit of themselves into the game. Mm-hmm. So I got it. it makes so much sense. Let's stop dogpiling <laughs> on, on Okagachi for a little bit and talk about what spirits are like. What do they do? Spirits, because they're spread across so many colors and because they've kind of been interpreted in different ways, like a spirit on Kamigawa means something very different from a spirit on Ravnica mm-hmm. or whatever. Or Innistrad or wherever. Yeah, or Innistrad for sure. There's not a whole lot of mechanical consistency about what they do there is a bit of a tendency to fly mm-hmm. so that is potentially something you can build around but really with spirits you're probably going to have to get a little bit more generic with your tribal reward yeah i wonder how upset people would be if they did like a naban but for spirits mm-hmm. like spirits enter the battlefield and trigger twice kind of thing because that seems like that's what they did with like modern horizons is they looked at like okay, we're using all these cards from all these places, so how do we make these, like, quote, archetypes for draft? And they just did things that happen in limited games. <laughs> and I think that's a good way to go about spirits. Because spirits, there's a ton of them. They don't have, like, a ton of mechanical overlap. But a lot of them have ETB triggers, or, like, you could do death triggers, or you could do both. I had a similar idea. Mm-hmm. So I did notice that there were a decent number of ETB spirits, but I was thinking that rather than just um, blinking them or copying the ETBs, yeah. it might make sense to have some mechanism for getting spirits back to your hand, whether from your graveyard or from the battlefield. Yeah, that's Because cool. there are also spirit craft triggers that mm-hmm. you could get that way by like recasting your spirits. Yeah, and that would work with all the Kamigawa spirits that care about when you cast a spirit or arcane and a lot of these other spirits. I think like hopefully in the future we see more of that like spirit craft kind mm-hmm. of stuff because it's a fun trigger and it's interesting to have like a spirit deck play that way i've got some an interesting fact for you so mm-hmm. edh rec very helpfully has like a themes page where you can look at all the different tribes and see like what commanders people are using for this tribe oh, how cool. many tribal decks there are on this page there are 831 spirit decks <laughs> 
And then by far the most popular commander for a spirit deck is Okogachi. Yep. With like more than 200 yeah. more decks than the next most popular commander. No, that makes sense though. Because it's just exactly like we said, like they're in five colors. Yeah. People really want to do five color spirits. It's yeah. just unfortunate that Okogachi is the five color yeah, spirit that the, we got. The flagship. Yeah. Sad. Sorry for all you custom card creators out there if we weren't able to give you as much <laughs> scaffolding for that yeah. one, but we're very excited to see what kind of solutions you come up with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So moving down this list of the most popular or most frequently used creature types, uh, next is Zombie with over 400 members. Oh, yeah. um, it is covered by Verena, I would say. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think the Zombie tribal players have a few different options at this point, depending on how many colors they want or like various things so i don't think we really need to come up with a new commander for those yeah guys. i think that's that's fine um elemental is next also over 400 members mm-hmm. concentrated mostly in red and green but shows up in in all colors so i'm not in love with horde of notions but it's a decent option another very good option is omnath locus of rage not just because he produces elementals but because he has that death trigger that is pretty powerful. Like having each elemental dying, bolting something is pretty strong. So while I don't think that either of those is like the perfect solution for elementals, I think it's fine to the point yeah. where there, it shouldn't be a priority for making a new elemental. No, commander. I, I agree. All right. Next we've got cleric with over 370 members. And this one does not currently have a creature type, although people have been trying to build around it. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to say words about it. Mm -hmm. If you look at sort of the colors they're concentrated in, they tend to be white and black. They're mostly small creatures. They generally focus on life gain, sacrificing creatures, and recurring or reanimating creatures. Um, If you look at the, the top 60 most popular clerics on EDH rec, Five of them are sack outlets, 10 like either want to die or want other creatures to die, and 12 of them gain life. I think that like maybe recurring dead clerics would be a solid reward if yeah. like there's so many that want to die, if there's like a bunch of sack outlet clerics, and then triggering on life gain might also make sense because you're mm-hmm. on color for Suture Priest and Soul's Attendant and Soul Warden. Yeah, like a, a Soul Sisters deck, I've felt like that archetype could translate to commander pretty well because you could be pretty aggressive about it Mm -hmm. and it would just be fun. It wouldn't be oppressive and people could interact with it. Unlike (laughs) a Laura or something like Mm -hmm. that. (laughs) So I think there's a couple things you could do here. Maybe like triggering on clerics dying would be flavorful. Mm -hmm. Triggering on life gain would be flavorful. This might actually, this could be an opportunity to make a design that has like two different triggers that kind of feed into each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love those kind of commanders. Um, speaking of which, can do you have a favorite cleric? <laughs> well, I've got a lot of clerics I like. Mm-hmm. Yogmoth has got to be pretty high on the list. <laughs> but I, no, I love uh, Witch Hunter is such a oh, cool yeah. cleric. There's a lot of really, really cool clerics. I, I, I honestly don't want to commit to anyone right now oh there's so many good ones see because mm-hmm. like you've got weathered wayfarer Micaeus the unhallowed selfless spirit oh man academy rector mm-hmm. which if you're not familiar with it it's a four cost one two when it dies you can exile it and if you search your library for an enchantment put it onto the battlefield oh yeah arena rector which is the same thing but you go get a planeswalker mm-hmm. 
so so many good clerics so so, so it's so it's crazy that they haven't built an explicitly tribal cleric commander yeah we'll see i know that some people are like trying to make it work with Eile or um, um timna Ravos, Tim, timna, timna right? Ravos, yeah because yeah. they're both clerics oh yeah timna is such a good cleric. timna yeah timna is actually probably my favorite cleric yeah but it's that's not quite the same as like explicitly rewarding you for committing to this creature type because yeah. Ravos will get back your Camarids just as readily as he gets back. He's there for all of them. Mm-hmm. He's a man of the people. All right, uh, moving on to the next creature type, another one that is extremely surprising that we don't have a commander for. Oh, yeah. Beasts. So with Beasts, they have over 360 members, and they are generally concentrated in green. What? <laughs> but uh there are some pretty good ones in other colors because like if you're in red you get access to gruel rage beast if you're in black you get access yeah. to ravenous chupacabra yeah which is the, i'm so glad they made that just a nice generic creature type there's a few other really good beasts there, there's good ones in all colors because yeah. if you're in white you also get like felidar sovereign yeah. that's pretty dope oh uh, yeah uh, i'd say like just not blue not blue even though it's so funny because blue does have beasts, but they're all limited fodder. Mm-hmm. Like all of them are, it's like, it's a three, seven for five. Yeah. And you're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so unfortunately, beasts don't really have a lot in common mechanically, except from being large. Yeah, him big. Cost reduction or mana generation might make the most sense. Just because there's so many six and seven drop beasts. It's kind of like how... Um, with Unesh Cryosphinx Sovereign, like the cost reduction is like such an important yeah. part of the card. Oh yeah, because so many sphinxes are like six CMC. I would like a way to cast the beast easier, but also just like something that helps them out, like gives them trample or something like that. Because mm-hmm. so many of these beasts might do something cool, but they don't have trample. Mm-hmm. So like maybe it's like a cool five five that does something but it's not going to hit because <laughs> it doesn't have evasion. It doesn't have any way to get through. So like in the same way that kind of Goreclaw did what Goreclaw does, like making your four power guys cheaper and giving him trample. Like that's kind of exactly what beasts need. <laughs> yeah. I would prioritize some way to get them out more easily. Mm-hmm. And that could be cost reduction. That could be mana generation. That could even be like a, a Kalia type trigger where you're just kind of, circumventing the mana cost entirely mm-hmm. i feel like that is what beasts need the most is just a way to get around the fact that they all cost six mana yeah they all cost six and they're all very large mm-hmm. or or fairly large all right i think we can move on to the next creature type so there's shaman and i know that there is a little bit of uh controversy about this one because there are a lot of red shamans and sachi daughter of sashiro does mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. support those sad so yeah. Sachi is two green green for a snake shaman and she has shamans you control have tap add green green to your mana pool. So the way that deck tends to play out is you just run the cheapest shamans possible with a with a slight preference towards ones that can potentially draw you cards. Mm-hmm. And then you cast Sachi and then suddenly all your guys are Draga tree speakers and then you just vomit out your hand and then try to find a way to refill it like with Regal Force yeah. or shamanic revelation or something and then vomit those out and then keep going until you get like crater hub or, or some other way to win yeah i do i do think that this deck should be red like there's just so many red shamans that people think about or red green because gruel mm-hmm. has so many shamans that have been like standout creatures for so long i think that color identity would help a lot and it would give people basically like the play that they've been looking for 
Yeah. But again, I would say that because the existing deck is powerful and plays a bunch of your favorite shamans, uh, it's not something that needs to be a priority on the same level that like soldier, spirit, cleric, beast should. Yeah, exactly. So next is Elf with almost 350 members. Elves, you've got Azuri Renegade Leader, and that's exactly what you want to be doing. An embarrassment of riches. Uh, so I don't, I don't think that is really something that needs yeah. to be addressed. Also, also coming in right after elves as goblins, goblins, three hundred over three hundred thirty creatures. At this point, there's just so many, and they like cover a couple different bases. Yeah, because like there's Krenko with the insane aggro. Mm-hmm. There's um, Wart with like sort of the recursion, the slower mm-hmm. kind of build. Mm-hmm. Pashalik Mons is also kind yeah, of similar. I like that one. A slower Goblin build. Yeah. So I think Goblins are set. Yeah, they're doing great. There's actually a pretty steep drop off between Goblins and the next most popular type. Mm-hmm. Knights are next with a little over 250 members. For that, you have Ariel Knight of Windgrace. And she's not great. There's definitely room for an improved Knight Commander. Like, she really requires you to have a lot of knights on the mm-hmm. battlefield, mm-hmm. and there aren't actually that many knight token generators, so you're, like, really committing your knights to the battlefield, and most knights don't generate cards, so it's just, I'm playing these yeah. vanilla creatures, and I want to play a lot of vanilla creatures because my commander tells me to do so, and then when my opponent casts the Wrath of God, yeah. <laughs> she doesn't have an answer to that. I think the last custom card episode we did, we did get some cool commanders i think we got a cool knight commander and a cool mm-hmm. shaman commander uh and don't think that like precludes any of you guys from making more yeah like they're just because we like talked about a cool knight last time doesn't mean that we won't like a cool knight you make this time <laughs> yeah i think there's multiple angles to attack most of these problems oh uh, yeah but knight they at least have something yeah it's not the right thing but yeah uh next we've got birds which have about 240 members the birds and, but, of course, like these numbers that we're saying do not count token producers. These yes. are just the count of creatures with that on the type line. There, yeah. there are a fair number of bird token producers that I wouldn't be surprised if th- that push this over 250. Mm-hmm. So birds are concentrated in white and blue. They do have two commanders, two tribal commanders. Yes. They are a little bit underwhelming. They're pretty underwhelming. <laughs> so one of them is Kangi Airy Keeper. Oh, yeah, classic. So in order to get plus one, plus one off of Kangi, you have to spend seven mana. It does scale a little bit better after that. Yeah. (laughs) But just for the initial pump to have to spend that much mana is an abysmal rate. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. There's also Soraya the Falconer, Mm -hmm. which is one white, white for a two, two legend that gives all birds plus plus one and has one and a white target bird gains banding until end of turn. Oh, Ooh. that's pretty cool. So that's a, definitely a much better rate for the bump, but unfortunately, because it's mono white, you miss out on a lot of the sweet blue birds. Hmm. So it's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, Derevi Imperial Tactician. No. It works well with birds yeah. because they are like small and evasive and good at getting in. But yeah, you get a bunch of birds at once usually. But of course, Derevi has like way, way more powerful things <laughs> that she could be doing. Yeah. So there is an option for a better bird commander, even even just like something that triggers off of combat damage mm-hmm. would make a lot of sense and was in white blue. They are supported, yeah, just not supported well. Yeah, that's a hundred percent true. All right, next we have one that is completely unsupported, Rogues. 
So rogues have so weird. very many members. Yeah, over 250 at least. Yeah. They are concentrated in blue, black, and red and have a tendency to be evasive and steal things. Mm-hmm. Although the way that stealing is represented mechanically varies a lot. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, there's, there's Notion Thief who's like stealing cards. There's Gonti, Lord of Luxury, who's like stealing off of the top of their library. Mm-hmm. There's like Master Thief who's stealing artifacts. I actually think that most of the way that pirates were interpreted in Ixalan block mm-hmm. was just like thing flavor that made perfect sense for rogues as well to yep. the point where it didn't make a whole lot of sense to put so much energy into pirates when rogues basically do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's unfortunate because I really like rogue tribal and to have this entire set that's like almost rogue tribal, but significantly different. It's like if they were to have a whole block that was Naga tribal and it's like this this oh, creature type shouldn't even would, exist. Would they do that? <laughs> would they make a whole block of Naga tribal? Yeah. So I actually like Beckett Brass's ability. I mean, a modified version of it because there's so many hoops on that card. Yeah, it's a very, very, it's a whole circus you got to jump through. Yeah. Uh, but a modified version of Beckett Brass's ability would make sense. I also like a modified version of Grenzo Havoc Razor's ability. He has, like, whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to an opponent, you can choose one, you can goad target creature, or you can exile the top card of that player's library and you can play it this turn. Mm -hmm. So I think if you just modified that a little bit and just said whenever a rogue you control deals combat damage to a player planeswalker, look at that many cards from the top of that opponent's Mm -hmm. library, exile one of them face down, then put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order, and then you can look at and cast that card for as long as it remains exiled, and you can spend mana as though it were any type. Do you think that, like, I've always liked the design on, like, Una's Prowler, mm-hmm. um, where, like, your opponent can wreck themselves if they want to. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, like, there's space in there for, like, like oh, you got me, <laughs> like that kind of thing? or uh, so, Some sort of, like... Like, a tr- you give your opponents the option to do this trigger that, like, on the surface looks like it helps them. Like, so Una's Prowler is a 3-1 flyer for two, and your opponent can discard a card to give it minus two, minus zero until end of turn. <laughs> <laughs> so that play always, like, tickled me, I guess, where your opponent would be like, yeah, I'll pitch a card, and you're like, excellent. <laughs> That's a cool idea. I wonder if that might be more flavorful if they were to ever do a mercenary Oh, that's true, huh? Commander. Like, mm-hmm. the idea that, like, I am working for the highest bidder, and here's a mechanism for you to, like, sort of pay me to, to pay leave me. you alone a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for Rogue, I like interpreting the reward the in, sneaky steely. in some sort of steely way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I got that. Next, we have Vampire. these guys. Yeah, you know, I haven't seen them around much. Uh, yeah. Vampires of 217 currently. Yeah, Edgar's great. Mm-hmm. He's really <laughs> Every, good. Everyone knows Edgar is very good. I don't know if you want to say anything else about vampires. No, I think vampires are totally fine. Like, Edgar is... That's probably the right color identity for them. Yeah. And the trigger is powerful. It's it's good. You yeah. Know, I've played the deck. I think it's fine. Yeah. Next is one that's a little less fine. Yeah. It's Merfolk with over 200 members. So the most popular Merfolk commander on EDH rec as you would expect, it's Kumena, Tyrant mm-hmm, of Araska. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've talked before when we did the Ixalan episode, but I don't really like the design. Yeah. Just Kumena, um, Kumena doesn't build into the play style that Merfolk 
usually like mm-hmm. the merfolk want. Like you don't want to put all your merfolk on the battlefield and then tap them to draw a card and then like spend a turn to tap them to pump them and that kind of thing. That's not usually the play style that merfolk want. Like merfolk want to come down and they want to be a little bit weird. They want to like spreading seize your opponent's land. They want to counter a spell or something like that or like be, get unblockable somehow, but they don't really want to like tap all your board. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Like they did in Lorwyn, but you could untap them too in Lorwyn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they gave you mechanism, and most of the really cool untapped triggers were on the white cards, like Stony Brook Schoolmaster. Yeah. It's also just weird. Like this tap five untapped Merfolk you control to put a plus one plus one counter on him. Like, so you make my guys bigger, but I want to be getting bigger as I'm attacking yeah. or like getting bigger in a way that doesn't preclude me from attacking yeah exactly so that's just not super fun yeah and there's not a lot of ways like maybe if green had a ton of ways to grant your team vigilance like there's just like a ton of ways to like attack and then in the middle of attacking pump them or if something. he granted vigilance if he if instead of that lame first ability <laughs> he just granted merfolk <laughs> vigilance i'd be 100 percent mm-hmm. behind this design that would be super cool yep but the way it is just doesn't really make sense. We're not going to go too yeah, far no, into this. Not too deep. But one thing I noticed, because I was playing around in this space because I was so mad about Kumena and like just so certain that they could have done a better job. There's actually a lot of merfolk that incidentally draw you cards. So I was thinking like a decent trigger might be like whenever you draw a card, if it's not the first card you've drawn during your draw phase well, or whatever, yeah. then like put a plus one plus one counter on each merfolk you control. Mm-hmm. Because that is something that like naturally fits into like the Merfolk Traders and the Silver Gale Adept mm-hmm. and all these kind of cards makes your guys bigger, which is how it will help you win. Mm-hmm. What is next after Merfolk? Yeah, so this one actually surprised me a lot. Um, it's horror. It's uh, coming in with just above 200, uh, not the tribe I would have thought to see here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's primarily black, if you could guess, but there's also um, a lot of blue ones, which yeah. is like kind of makes sense because of the demir but i just would not have guessed so i'd say that there's about 35 36 good horrors like things you wouldn't be embarrassed to play (laughs) and among those like horrors have some pretty good sacrifice outlets they've got some good discard outlets and they have a bunch of horrors that like really want to die there's faceless butcher which like if you sacrifice it with its etb trigger on the stack then you get to exile a creature forever it's kind of like the old fiend hunter trick Mm mm-hmm there's Mind Slicer, who really, Ooh, really boy. wants to die. Oh, yeah. He loves... He craves it. There's a couple other good ones. Mesmeric Fiend. It's it's sort of like a, a Kite Sail Freebooter or a Mind Maggot, but it's split the triggers in the same sort of Fiend Hunter way, or like, I guess, the Tide Hollow Sculler way. So if you sacrifice it with the ETB trigger on the stack, you get to exile a card from their hand forever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, of course, there's just like some generically good horrors. There's like Ravenous Chupacabra... Phyrexian Revoker, that kind of stuff. So I was thinking like for horrors, maybe horror recursion would make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Just because you really want to get your horrors to the graveyard, getting them back so you can reuse them again just is a decent reward. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think like an efficient sack to, so like something that like rewards you for sacking a horror in particular Mm -hmm. um, would be really fun too because like, there's a decent amount of ways to recur things in black nowadays that you could kind of like throw those in. But I think either of those accesses of like to the grave or out of the grave mm-hmm. are like a, it's a good build point for them. 
Yeah, excited to see what you all come up with. All right, next we have... I expected this one much further up the list, but it makes sense. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Dragon. There are so many Dragon tribal commanders at this point. Not not a problem that needs to be solved. Yeah. <laughs> next, we've got Cats mm-hmm. with over 150 members. They have Arabo, which... Uh, and and I guess there's also Raksha, yeah. Golden Cub. Yeah, there's a few. There's I think Arabo is probably the best because you get to play the most cats across the most colors. Mm-hmm. Raksha's probably would have been printed differently if he was printed more modern. Yeah, of probably, they probably lopped two mana off of his <laughs> yeah. Uh But still has a lot of fans. I think cats are fine right now. Yeah. Yeah. And the next one is also in a pretty good place right now. It yes. is Druids. So druids are concentrated in green, and they have Setin Crosin Protector, which is green, green, green for a two-two. Tap an untapped druid you control. Add green to your mana pool. So I also want to just pose the question: How many people knew the Setin Crosin Protector existed? Because <laughs> he's a pretty weird, old, obscure card at this point. Yeah, yeah. Don't feel bad about that one. <laughs> that deck is like pretty well set. It's yeah. essentially giving all your mana dorks haste and or if they didn't already tap for mana giving them rat to do it you can sort of like elf ball off or druid ball off he also has access to guilt leaf arch druid which yeah, is which is pretty heinous the one of the most brutal tribal rewards ever printed it's an elf druid whenever you cast a druid spell you may draw a card all right seems fair yep and tap seven untapped druids you control Gain control of all lands, target player control. (laughs) (laughs) So that just knocks somebody right out of the game. Yeah. So I don't know how many people here listen to Drive to Work. He was talking about Morningtide and he talked about Gitleaf Archdruid and he was like, we wanted to think of ways that various classes could finish, like close out a game. And they're like, well, Druids, they didn't want to like kill you, but they would like make it really hard to keep going so we came up with this trigger that we felt was really like druidy where they took all the lands <laughs> he's like yeah you win the game but like they didn't kill you <laughs> it's so hilarious yeah <laughs> but yeah druids they do a lot of stuff with mana and lands mm-hmm. so there's uh, some nice easy hooks to hang your hats on there yep all right, next one is unsupported. It is Insects with over 150 members. Yeah. So for Insects, I did a little check-in. It looks like there's about 37 good ones. Yeah. They're concentrated in black-green. There is a lot of token generation. As there should be. <laughs> yeah. There's a few pretty expensive ones, too, because you've got like your Hornet Queen, your Moldgraf Monstrosity, your Living Hive, yeah. your Phyrexian Swarm Lord. There's like 9 or 10 really expensive powerhouse insects. Mm-hmm. And then there's some really good sack fodder. In addition to like just having the tokens as sack fodder, yeah. there's endless cockroaches and brood of cockroaches. Both just come back to your hand when they die. I was thinking like Izoni Thousand Eyed is actually not mm-hmm. a terrible attempt at a yeah. insect commander. Yeah, like, yeah, I agree. Like sacrificing your insects for value is something that makes sense. It will help you win and like aligns with the strengths of the the creature type so so that could be like maybe a de facto insect commander because it aligns so well but i think there's still more room to build around yeah i also like the idea of like giving your insects not just like a buff but what do you think about giving insects like poisonous too 
I like that a lot because most insects are one ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like with the exception of like something huge, like a glean crawler or something like that. Like even endless cockroaches is like a one one. Yeah. So I like that. I like the idea of like the poisonous or like dirty or like venomous insects, mm-hmm. like just swarming you. Like yeah, you can block three of them, but there's eight attacking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a cool way to do it. Oh, I don't know. It's really hard to tell with overruns. Because that's basically just an overrun, if you think about it, in a lot of ways. But people also get pissed at poison. (laughs) So I would be much happier with poisonous, too, than just, like, your insects get plus five, plus five, (laughs) or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I like the idea that with poisonous, too, like, they don't have death touch. They Mm -hmm. don't have infect. Yeah. So blocking them costs you nothing. So as long as you can block them, you're fine. Yeah. But if you, it's only when you can't that you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. Maybe there's room for balancing on that. But like maybe poisonous one is actually the correct answer. But <laughs> that seems like a cool reward that is obviously not being used anywhere else. Yeah. And would make a lot of sense here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're going to get through a couple more creature types. And then we'll we'll cut it off and then save the rest for future episodes. Because I think... Yes. I'd say we're about halfway through the types we wanted to talk about. So this yeah. could definitely be another episode. Because at a certain point, we don't need to talk about Jin tribal, mm-hmm. you know, like... I think that the cutoff may be at like 60 members of the tribe. Because once you get to that point, you're just not going to be able to find enough good members. Mm-hmm. Like with 150 insects, I identified like 37 good ones. That's yeah. enough to build a deck. But yeah. if you're picking out a 60, like... Yeah, it's Slim Pickens, the Spell Shaper Tribal. Yeah, although that one actually, well... That's in all five colors. It's in all five colors, but I think the there's a really cool design for Spell Shapers that you could do to make it fun and powerful, yeah. even yeah. with so few members to choose from. That's true. I, I, I agree with you. I could imagine some things. Moving on. So from insects, we are going to angels. Angels are doing great. I mean, they could do better. Yeah, it's unfortunate that they are lumped in with Kalia. Yeah. And then when they did get around to making a mono white angel tribal commander, they just did Lyra Dawnbringer, which is not the solution that <laughs> that they needed. Oh well. Oh well. After Angels is Giants. And this one is kinda interesting. Yeah, with one hundred forty one members. So with Giants, they're spread across all colors pretty evenly. Um there's a little bit less in blue. So that could potentially be an organic four-color commander. Mm-hmm. But they're all huge, and they all have big mana costs. So I think that cost reduction would make sense. Some sort of, like, thundercloud shaman effect would make sense, yeah. where they, like, deal damage to all the small creatures based on the number of giants you control. No, I think giants in general, there's, like, so many places that they could, especially over the years, they could have, like, put effort in to, like, kind of round them out as a tribe, and then they just haven't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, we had Kalemni from the commander set, the, like, red-white. Oh, that didn't make commander, any sense and it at all. Just didn't. It's like, okay, so I want to play giants so that my commander is bigger? Yeah, so I want to go wide and tall yeah <laughs> yeah that's like i don't understand what you're asking me to do why, yeah why am i casting five drop creatures to make my voltron commander bigger yeah <laughs> when i could spend two mana on a powerful equipment yeah yeah i could just give this plus three plus oh or something yeah just slap a grafted war gear on it or a <laughs> yeah. inquisitor's flail or something that's yeah, so strange 
But, uh, yeah, Giants, they need some help. Give yeah. them some love. We're excited to see what you all come up with for Giant Tribal. Next on the list, we've got Constructs. And they've got about 140 members. I'd say there's about 25, 26, 27 good ones. Yeah. That's not including colored mana. So yes. if you give yourself access to colored mana, you get access to the gear hulks, a lot of which are pretty powerful. Constructs are generally colorless. They're all artifact creatures. They have some good death triggers because you've yeah, got like... they do. <laughs> yeah. So like Hangerback Walker, uh, Scrap Trawler, Treasure Keeper, Workshop Assistant. Those are all pretty strong. There's some decent sack outlets too, like with the newly printed Scrapyard Recombiner. Oh, yeah. Which is in Modern Horizons. It's a three-cost construct. It's got Modular 2, and it has Tap, Sacrifice, and Artifact. Search your library for a construct and put it into your hand. So that's a pretty good sack outlet that is a natural fit for a construct tribal deck. Yeah. Also, you get like Koldotha Forge Master, yeah. which is a construct and a sack outlet and mm-hmm. is great. <laughs> Yeah, that's a strong one. If you're not familiar with it, it's five cost, three five, tap, sacrifice three artifacts, search your library for an artifact, and put it onto the battlefield. Whoa. Very powerful. I was trying to synergize with those death triggers and sack outlets and just the fact that in this deck, constructs are going to be going to the graveyard. So maybe constructs you control have like modular equal to their cmc mm-hmm. so they enter the battlefield with that many plus one plus one counters and when they die you can put those counters on another artifact creature so that you're like building up your army as you're going through your weird little uh, value loops yeah it's interesting i think like a way to use plus one plus one counters will be a cool way to go about this because so many of them do do that. Mm -hmm. And that was originally how they did modular, even though they were really afraid of it was like they would give you an outlet for those counters. So Mm -hmm. I think like a construct commander that provided and or used and or both in like an effective way would be really fun. Yeah. Awesome. The the tricky part is going to be figuring out sort of when you want your commander to be on the battlefield. For the modular granting, the commander would have to be on the battlefield before you're casting your constructs, Mm -hmm. which might be, like, harder to pull off. Maybe something that might be more appropriate is, like, a death's presence for constructs. Like, whenever a construct dies, put plus one plus one counters equal to its power on another target construct so that you can sort of play out your constructs and then play your commander and then start doing the shenanigans and get your counters rather than, like, I have to get my commander on the field before I can do anything else. Yeah. Another idea? Uh, whenever a non-token construct dies, just create an XX construct. I, I kind of like the flavor that your construct commander is just really good at recycling parts. Yeah. That That's an idea. I think there's something to play with there. And I think it's cool that this is one of the very few, like, organically colorless commanders yeah yeah i think like giving yourself access to the gear hulks and like the random constructs that they'd put in like kaladesh or like mercury or whatever yeah that have like a color activation is cute but i don't think you need it i would really have to look at them to see like am i really going to be hurting if i don't have like blank color Mm -hmm. like red or blue or something like that but it would be cool if it was colorless yeah (laughs) be way cooler agreed All right, I think we can leave it off there. We've got a lot more to talk about, so stay tuned. We're going to find time for the second half of this sometime soon. 
I, I want to know what you guys think about this one too, because this is a much headier episode, and this one is—I would say this play. is like more of a bird's eye kind yeah. of episode, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. we're really like pulling back from the format, and we're barely yeah. talking about individual cards, and more just talking about like the landscape and the archetypes that are present in the format. Yeah. So if this episode is not for you, let us know. If you did like this episode, let us know also. The reason we did it is that there's interesting information to be gathered from this. Mm-hmm. And we think kind of giving you guys a setup for if you do want to do some participation, like make some custom commanders to send in is like a fun thing too. So Yeah, like we have some ideas for how to address these problems, but we would love to yeah. crowdsource it. Mm-hmm. And get- see what you guys like think. I think that's just about all the time we have for today. Before we go, I'm going to give a quick thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Bradley, Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Eamon, Addison, Arthur, Mason, Will, Elvis, Rick, Laser, Raphael, Kyle, and Charlotte. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you are not a patron but would like to become one, you can check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr. If you want to reach Zach, he is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter and Tumblr. The opening song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. We'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>